Hello and welcome. You are listening to Pagan Spirituality Today. This is episode number three. I am your host, Cavaldrida, and I want to thank you all for tuning in. The first thing that I want to do today is say hello to my friends Fox and Arrowind at Pagan Parents on the Edge. In their most recent episode, they gave me a plug, and uh, I've already had some listeners come over from their show. So I want to say thanks a lot, and by the way, they are still the best pagan podcast out there, in my opinion. I have a new email address that I'm going to share with you at the end of the show, uh, and I'll go through all the different places you can find the show and where you can message me and all of that. Uh, first, I want to tell a little anecdote. It's not quite a story, but I think it's revealing about what kind of a person I am. And I don't really like to talk about what kind of a person I am that much. Believe it or not, I do a podcast, but I am rather shy. I generally don't talk to strangers. Uh, I have kept to myself the majority of my life. And this podcast is helping me feel more comfortable. Talking about more personal things and my beliefs and all of that. But uh, I have a friend. A very dear friend that we'll call Hippie Mom. Obviously not her real name. But uh, my friend Hippie Mom is on Facebook, which is a social networking site that I had never been on myself. I generally use MySpace, or now I'm also on Pagan Space. But uh, Hippie Mom has a lot of friends on Facebook. And she said I should make a page for the show so she could recommend it to her friends and potentially increase the listener base. Uh, So I went to Facebook and I made a very skeletal page. It it says almost nothing. It it lets you know where the show can be heard and that I am basically pushing the show and not myself on that page. Immediately, the very next day, two people, or it might have been three people, wanted to be my friend. Which never happens, you know, social networking sites are very slow to get moving. And I noticed that she, Hippie Mom, was their friend as well. So I assumed they were friending me because of her. But I wanted to be sure. I am never entirely certain. Who knows um, that my friends are pagan? What arenas they are public in and what they are not. So I never assume. And I sent her an email and I said, these individuals have... Asked to be my friend at Facebook. Do they know what this show is about? Are they aware of your pagan status? Is this okay with you? And she emailed back that yes, they knew that she listened to the show and that she thought they would like it and that she had messaged maybe 10 people letting them know about the show and that they should tune in. Uh, and I had the strangest reaction, but this is, this is actually what happened. I I realized that she was telling me that there were 10 strangers, people I'd never met, never heard of, that may be tuning into the show at any time. And I had a three, four second moment of panic where I just freaked. I said, oh my God, people I don't know are going to listen to this show. I'm not ready for that. That can't happen now. Uh, But my ration quickly recovered. And I realized that is the point. That is what I'm trying for. I talked myself down very quickly, but for three or four seconds, I had a gut-level reaction that this is 
way too much, way too fast. This is crazy. Why would people I don't even know be listening to what I have to say? I think that story, that anecdote, and the fact that I'm willing to tell it to you probably tells you more about my character and about who I really am in a short, encapsulated way than I would know how to explain to you any other way. This is the upbringing that I come from. This is the worldview that I've had since I'm a kid. You know, that middle-class Protestant work ethic. Mind your own business. Don't toot your own horn. Uh, do not put yourself forward. All compliments should come from someone else. I am so fully ingrained in this view, so fully at gut level, ingrained in this idea that there are times that it catches up to me and it just gives me a solid smack. Uh, rationally, I don't believe any of those things. Obviously, our society does not work that way. But I can't always overcome it. Sometimes it just gets me. After I'd gotten over the initial shock, I laughed about it for a while. Uh, I do find myself funny in an uh, ironic sort of way. But I thought I would share that with you because it is the first time since I've thought about doing this show, or actually tried doing the show, that I sort of freaked out. Um, and I'm just glad that it was a pretty quick episode and that it was over. One other thing, my friend Hippie Mom is in education. She lives in Utah. And she has a very sweet, very intelligent 12-year-old that she is connected to through school, let's say, and the girl's mother. And Hippie Mom contacted me because this young girl is wanting to investigate paganism and Wicca, with the full participation and consent of her mother, by the way. So I suggested some introductory books on paganism and Wicca for Hippie Mom to pass on to this mother and daughter, and Hippie Mom told me that she was recommending my podcast also to the mother and daughter, and if you are listening, mother and daughter in Utah, I want to say hello. Welcome to the pagan world. I hope your study and investigation goes well. I hope those books that I suggested are useful to you. Welcome aboard. We're glad to have you. One of my favorite things, actually, is working with new pagans or folks that are investigating paganism. Um, generally, I don't deal with teenagers without parental consent and really preferably without parental involvement. Uh, this is one of those really nice cases where you have an open-minded parent and an exploring child and they're checking things out together. I wish more families would do that. I wish more families would explore what their children are interested in with their children instead of just putting their kids out there in the world and uh, letting them come upon whatever they come upon. But that's me. That's just my view on that. The main topic of today's show is going to be adversity. Uh, I live in Washington State, in the southwest portion, about two hours south of Seattle. And if you don't know, we have had the worst last three weeks, uh, coming up on a month now. We had two weeks of nonstop snow and ice, and about a six-day break, and then nonstop rain and significant damaging floods. And I work in transportation. I'm a truck driver. Uh, and we had to find some way 
to move groceries and move supplies during all of this weather. And there has been, I guess, about a 12-day span there where I was working between commuting and work about 20 hours a day. Uh, I would get some sleep in between. I didn't come home for two hours at a time. But uh, when I got working again, it would be a 20-hour day, day after day after day. Then the floods came, and all the roads closed, and I couldn't even get home. So I stayed in the hotel for a day or so until I could get back to the house, sat it out for another day, and then it was back to work. We have been experiencing very straightforward adversity in a big dose. So I wanted to talk about that. It's been on my mind a lot. Now, before I go into this, I don't want anything that I say to be misconstrued. I am not saying adversity is a great thing, or that you should seek it, or that natural disasters or personal tragedies are not bad. Okay? They're bad, obviously. But we live in an adversity-hating culture, where all trouble, all adversity, all problems are bad. And I don't know that that's always true. I think adversity can be very useful. I also think there are times when it's necessary. But that does not refer to natural disasters, loss of a loved one, or any of those other terrible, terrible things. So with that said, uh, I'm going to go into my basic spiel. Here's what I want to say. Aversi adversity can be avoided in many cases. It is my belief that getting to know yourself, your values, your goals, through your spirituality can help you avoid obvious things you can see coming down the road. If you know about yourself and you know that you have a tendency to drink too much, just as a for instance. Maybe you're not clinically an alcoholic, but you drink too often and you might find yourself having to drive. Avoiding that behavior is avoiding that obvious piece of adversity. You're not going to get a DUI. You're not going to get pulled over. There are whole aspects of life that can be dealt with that way. If you understand your personality, you understand your own limitations and your own positive aspects, you can avoid a lot of trouble by just changing how you behave. If you live in a flood-prone area like I do, having an emergency kit, knowing that you have to boil water because the sewer system may back up, can help avoid problems, avoid disease, for instance, from drinking contaminated water. You can find sensible ways to reduce the trouble and adversity in your life. However, we are all going to face difficult times. We're all going to have problems, no matter what we do. That is where we should try, in my opinion, to take those issues and make them useful at least. You know, the old story about lemonade from lemons? I think that is a spiritual virtue. I believe that is something that we should learn and practice. By way of an example, I want to give you two points from Christian theology. Uh, generally speaking, to the Catholics, hardship and adversity is unavoidable. These things will happen. 
to an extent that's because they believe the world is evil, but we'll set that aside for right now. Adversity is going to happen, and the point of religion is to help you deal with it, to help you hold that burden, you know, uh, cope with things. And there is a much more recent phenomena amongst American evangelicals that says if you're a good Christian, if you love God and do what you're supposed to do, adversity simply isn't going to happen to you. God is going to protect you from all trouble. And if someone within that community has a terrible thing happen to them, they're almost ostracized. They're almost pushed out because there's this belief that if you were being godly, that would never have happened to you in the first place. So you must deserve it in some way. You must have done something terribly wrong. And this is God's retribution. That point of view on adversity really, really bothers me. The Catholic point of view is much more my point of view. No matter how good a person you are, or how spiritual, or how careful, you're not going to avoid problems entirely. It just isn't going to happen. So, your spirituality should be a toolkit for which you can deal with these things. The idea that someone would promise you believing in my God or acting in a particular way will protect you from all harm is so foul. It is so disingenuous. And then to turn around and ostracize someone because something bad did happen, it really, really disgusts me that people would behave in that way. Um, it was something I was thinking about recently. You know, I've occasionally I will listen to evangelical preachers or other people on the radio. I'd like to know what they're saying. I actually do occasionally find useful insights on the nature of faith or the nature of prayer from some of the more liberal Christian churches, Unitarian Universalist, or uh, the Sojourners Organization is a progressive-leaning political organization of Christians, but they, they tend to have a lot of interesting things to say. But I come across this view, this view that God is going to protect you from all bad things, and if he doesn't, it's your fault. You must be doing something wrong. It really makes me angry. Uh, blame the victim mentality has never sat well with me, and this is definitely not a case where I feel like that should be supported. So I wanted to put that in there. I know you folks listening are probably not Christian, and you don't have that view, but uh, it's been on my mind, let's say. So back to the idea of adversity being useful. We want a lot of things in life. Some things that are not good for us, some things that are, some things that are irrelevant one way or the other. I personally fail a lot. I fail as often as I succeed, and probably more so. I don't learn that much from things I don't have to try very hard for. That might be indicative to me. Maybe no one else feels this way. But when things just happen easily, I'm pleased, of course. Uh, but I have to work for things for me to really grapple with them, to understand them, to understand what they mean to me. How important was this thing, or how important was it that I do it, or that I gain it, or that I understand it? That is just the way I'm made. It's something personal within me. But it's also something I have taught myself. You know, I've read a lot of 
Eastern philosophy, a lot of 17th and 16th century Christian philosophy and theology over the years, and the idea that hardship is useful for character, which I am a huge believer in character. You will hear me use that word regularly. Uh, there will be a show on morals and virtue eventually, and character is going to be the star of that show, so you'll be hearing more about that. But virtue, character, morality, I think these things are hugely important. And adversity is very helpful in developing that. The fact that you will have problems is undeniable. How you deal with them, how you respond to them, says an awful lot about who you are. Whether you want it to or not, it tells the truth about your character. And years ago when I was studying Eastern philosophy, I tried to be happy in adversity. And that didn't really work for me. That is not a part of my character. I do not find that kind of trouble, uh, significant problems, something I can be happy through. But I have learned to be at peace with it. I have learned to be calm and dedicated to what it is that needs doing or what it is that I want through adversity. And for me, that's been a huge improvement. The idea that I can feel really put upon, really stressed or stretched in my capacity and remind myself, this is forging me. This is forging my character. I can decide to be stronger through this. Has never made me happy. It has never made me joyous. But I can sleep at night. I don't have the kind of tension and pressure and stress that I had 20 years ago when I felt that everything in life was a pass or fail test. And you were going to be graded at some point. You know, someone was going to have a tally and say, okay, here were the tests and you failed 93%, so I'm judging you bad. Uh, that is some of my screwed up Christian upbringing. Not screwed up because of Christianity, but because of the way I took it, the way I saw it as a condemnation of me. Adversity has been really good for me. I am kind of a lazy person. I don't take a lot of risks in life, in general. Uh, particularly not financial risks or personal emotional risks. There are other kinds of risk that I do occasionally engage in. But the ones that I avoid are the ones that I should work most on. That is true for me, and it's true for many people. I have been taught so much by not accomplishing things because of the way that I responded to them. Generally, the way I responded to difficulty for many, many years was badly. To go into depression, into some kind of a self-loathing cycle, where everything was bad. Even the things that I formerly had pleasure in were bad because I had failed. I had caused myself a great disrespect or, or brought shame upon myself or something. I don't feel that way about adversity now. I don't feel lesser than for having troubles and problems. And I have a much greater sense that I can deal with adversity. 
than I ever did, but that comes from dealing with adversity. I don't know any other way to prepare for it. I don't know any way to get over the idea that trouble is going to come and you cannot always foresee it without having trouble come, thinking your way through, how do I want to deal with this? What is going to be the best way for me to get out of this situation intact and working it out? I really think this is one of those experiential things, but there are lessons you can learn from other people, from their responses, from their problems. We all like an inspirational story. Oprah is not the queen of daytime TV for nothing. You know, these things sell because we, we care about them. We care about someone else's inspirational story. We want to see ourselves in that inspiring response to difficulty. And we can see ourselves in that. We can learn from other people's adversity. And we, well, I was going to say we should, uh, but I will say I believe we should. Another thing that adversity helps us with is sorting through what do we really want and what do we just think we want. If we're trying to attain a certain job or a certain degree in college, and we find that the work is harder than we thought or the hours are not what we were wanting, we will quickly judge whether that path is worth pursuing or not based on the level of adversity that we meet. If we turn aside from that path, because it's, quote, too hard, we probably didn't love it. We probably wanted it in a more surface and shallow way. I think that's useful. I think it is very helpful to have things pruned away, things that you don't need, that you don't believe at your core level. Adversity demonstrates the difference between a core level belief and a shallow belief, or a wouldn't-it-be-nice-if kind of belief. I think that process is something we should not only engage in, but engage in throughout our lives. It is part of the spiritual growth that I seek, that I want to be doing. And I think it's very advisable that everyone else do the same. Uh, necessary. Adversity can be necessary. Sometimes we are not strong enough or tough enough or dedicated enough to something that is right for us, something that belongs in our path. We set out to do it. Everything goes wrong. Everything stands in our way. There's a brick wall on all sides of us, but yet that adversity awakens something in us. It brings the need the passion for that choice to the forefront. And all of a sudden, we have these reserves of strength and dedication we had no idea we had, and we had no idea would come out in reference to this choice. And all of a sudden, all the adversity in the world only makes us want it more, only makes us pursue it more, and more passionate for it. That is a time where I feel like Adversity is the best thing that could possibly happen to you because you may not think through everything you want or believe and adversity will sort out in no uncertain terms 
What is it you believe? What is it you want? Well, that's my thoughts on adversity. I think at this point I'm going to start repeating myself, so I'm going to leave that topic alone. And there's something else I wanted to mention briefly. I'm on Pagan Space, uh, MySpace, and a number of other places now, but in particular the Pagan Space issue. I have a profile there, and I refer the show in my personal profile. I'm on several groups about new witches and new pagans and teachers and students getting together, and I find a very strange trend. I think on my profile I've stated that I've been a pagan for about 20 years and that I enjoy working with new folks, and I respond to people putting on discussion posts, what about this, I don't understand that, or I'm looking for some kind of guidance or instruction, or what have you. Generally, I respond to all of those posts, yet almost no one responds back, or they say, well, thank you for the offer, and I could really use guidance, but they don't say anything further, and I usually ask for specifics. Well, what do you want guidance on? What is it that you're wanting to know, or what direction do you think you're supposed to go in? Tell me something about where you are, and that ends the conversation. And I find this really confusing. I don't know what to think about it. And I've been on Yahoo groups before, and I've been on other things, Meetup, and that sort of stuff. And I just wonder if there's something about people where they know they want something more, but they kind of want someone else to wrap it up in a package and just hand it over. They don't want to sort through what it is that they want or what it is that they're looking for. And they're hoping that other people will just give it to them. I'm not sure. Maybe my profile seems strange, or something about the way I communicate is not making it clear, hey, I am interested in helping you out. I don't know. Uh, it definitely makes me think twice about the way I behave online, and I know there are a lot of very strange, narcissistic weirdos online that are trying to hook up or control other people. That's not me. I don't know how to say it's not me. Uh, if you say I'm not narcissistic and trying to hook up, people automatically seem to think that you are. It's a very strange, topsy-turvy thing. I'm not a big online person. I don't spend a lot of time online. I prefer person-to-person -person contact. I prefer body language and communication that you can see and interact with. Uh, I probably would be one of the people to use a video phone someday when that becomes uh, inexpensive technology. Um, but I was wondering what all of you think. How have your experiences online been similar? How have they been different? Do you find that people are honest online? Do you find that they are generally not honest? If you have set yourself... A profile. Do people respond to it? Do they disbelieve it? I've noticed some of the most narcissistic, silly kind of people have the most friends. The people that claim that they can fly and, you know, act like Superman or some other fairly unlikely stuff that they claim or say I'm the great secret keeper of Hukihu, they have 900 friends. And Honest people have 10 friends. So I was wondering, what do you guys think about that? 
where do you fall down on this? And since this is my show, I'm just going to mention, by the way, if there's anyone out there who is listening and you're not familiar with me, you don't personally know me, I am open to emails and discussions and ideas of guidance. But before you send me an email asking me what uh, an herb's qualities are, there is a thing called Google. Try that. Don't ask questions for basic, obvious things you can look up yourself. I expect people to have some personal volition. It can be quite annoying when people ask you what the correspondences for the color red are, and you Google that question and come up with 1,000 answers in 0.5 seconds. People take a few seconds to check things for yourself. If you want to ask me something about me, about my experience, about an issue that you cannot find on Google in 0.5 seconds, I'd be happy to talk to you. Um, I am on Pagan Space. Like I said, it's my personal profile, which is under Caveldrada, K-V-E-L-D-R-I-D-A, at Pagan Space. And since I'm getting into this stuff now, the show is on MySpace at Pagan Spirituality Today. The show is on Podbean at Pagan Spirituality Today. It is available on iTunes. Um, and I have a new email, as I told you I was going to let you know. The new email is Pagan Spirituality Today, all one word, at Comcast, C O M C A S T dot net. You can still use the email I gave you before, Caveldrada9 at Comcast, if you want to, but I'd prefer you use the show email, Pagan Spirituality Today at Comcast.net. So, if you guys have anything to say, you have any comments, you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear from you. Anywhere you want to talk to me, anything you want to say. I've got probably ten more show ideas in my head, but that is no reason not to suggest additional ideas if there's something you want to hear about, something you would find interesting. I'm going to stick to a two-show a month format if I can maintain the schedule. Certainly I, I committed to one show a month and I will definitely do that, but I feel like I have two shows a month in me. We are just still finishing a difficult time with our weather where my work schedule is a little bit less predictable. I have less days off than I'm used to, but I am going to attempt two shows a month. And, uh, I think that's all I have to say today. There's a number of other things I was going to get into, but I don't want to run into 45, 50 minutes today. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to say I'm really encouraged. I've gotten some nice comments, a couple of new friends on Facebook and on Pagan Space from the show. It's fulfilling for me to think that I have something to say that you all are interested in hearing. So thanks for listening, and I'll take care, and I will talk to you again soon.